Welcome to New Pod. New Pod. New Pod. New Pod. Presented by NotFest.com. Primer 55 bassist Joshua Toomey and War Machine merch mastermind Ro Coley bring you a weekly dose of all things new. Album deep dives, news, interviews. This is New Pod. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of New Pod here on NotFest.com. As always, I'm Joshua Toomey, and that is Ro Coley. And this week, we had a major guest that fell through. So Ro <laughs> came up with a, uh, right. a, a side plan to uh, you know, get, the, get this week's episode up and out. And he was like, you know, since this is New Pod, since you had time in a new metal band, I'm going to interview you. So Ro, right. you get the floor. That's right. That's right. So today, uh, yeah, so we will make up for our lack of a superstar by having a much better superstar, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk to Mr. Joshua Toomey here. And uh, I mean, Josh, you 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 go way back in the in the new metal realm of things. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you were in Primer 55. Uh, what was the band that you were in before Primer? Uh, a band called 12 Volt Negative Earth. How 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 close to primer or, or how how new metally was it? Was it like very close to something like primer, or did it kind of go into sort of like I don't know? When I, when I hear the name of the band, it sounds very Static X ish, but uh, uh, definitely not that. It was definitely. I mean, we formed in '96. Um, heavily, a lot of people said we sounded like Life of Agony. Okay. Um, okay. It oh, it definitely morphed into more of a new metal band over time. Um, we opened for Lip Biscuit in 97 and then, you know, kind of, kind of started get a little bit more rappy here and there, but it, it, it never was never truly like a rap metal band, but it definitely was a, a you know, bouncy more, maybe Soulfly Sepultura kind of, kind of vibe you know, what we okay. were going for at the time. All right. Um, so let me, let's, let's delve into your past a little bit. So what, what record did you hear? I mean, cause you know, when it comes to new metal or metal in general, there's always that record that makes that makes you, you know, officially change your life trajectory. Okay. You know? <clears throat> um, you know, when I heard, you know, things like Pantera, I was like, okay, like my life is going that. Um, what, what was the record that you heard that made you want to pick up uh, an instrument? Uh, I mean, honestly, it was the Black Album. Um, it was, um, at, at the time I was getting into rock, I was getting into a little bit heavier stuff. I had a bunch of cousins that listened to like Kiss and Motley Crue and Poison and Cinderella, all the all the hair metal stuff, kind of at the time in the late '80s. Um, and then I just started hearing, like you know, like Inner Sandman. I'd actually heard Injustice for All a little bit before the Black Album came out, but it just didn't catch me like it would later on. Um, but like I really got into, you know, obviously it's cliche as it sounds now, but Inner Sandman and all those videos start coming up. And then basically at one point, my entire room was Metallica posters. Um, obviously went back at Kill 'em All, right? The it was it was great to get into Metallica at the Black Album because you had four other albums you could dive into, like a ten year history to dive into. Uh, Cliff 'em All had come out uh, right. a year and a half of the life of Metallica. I mean, I was so into Metallica at the time. My dad used to joke that my first word was probably Metallica. You know, things like that. <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, I mean that that really changed everything. I wanted a bass because of Cliff Burton and Jason Newstead. I wanted to. Um, you know, be in a band and grew my hair long, all just everything that that goes along with, you know, being a 12 year old metalhead. So, I mean, okay, so so that is a very 
seminal album. I mean, that is that that black album changed pop culture uh, yep. in such a massive, massive way. <clears throat> and a lot of people that I've met, you know, that love that black album kind of went sort of more black album types of bands. So for instance, your disturbs and your five finger death punches and, and right. things of that nature. When you heard the black album, it, it totally got you into Metallica. How did records like kill them all and, and justice for all, how did that work within the tapestry of what you were thinking about? Because those records are so obviously yeah. drastically different. I mean, totally uh, 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 just, I mean, how fast they are, how aggressive they are, as opposed to, when Metallica sort of slowed things down a little bit more, even after the Injustice with the Black album, like how did you how did you reconcile those earlier albums with with being into the Black album? I think it was just all Metallica. I don't think I really until later really got that Kill 'Em All and and Ride the Lightning. It's like there was progression there. Like it just was that was just Metallica. Like and and I think I really did gravitate towards the earlier stuff. You know, the blackout being the gateway, but but getting into the early stuff was kind of just the uh, my favorite stuff was obviously Ride the Lightning, Master Puppets, Justice, and you know just yeah just kind of going back to it and listening to all the early stuff, and then you know obviously that takes you into Megadeth, that takes you into right. uh, Slayer, <laughs> and then you know yeah, yeah the Panteras of the of the world and things like that. So it was just kind of opened up a whole new world of music to me that I didn't I didn't really know was there. Um, and yeah, you were saying like a lot of people go kind of black album, disturbed five finger death punch. I went like black album back to Metallica, back to Slay, like old Slayer. Oh, all right, got really big into like because in 91, I was black album by like 92, 93, I was Morbid Angel and Deicide. So, I mean, oh, I was okay. just like, I went super, super Roadrunner heavy and, and gotcha. Uh, so went down the death case. metal path. All right, very cool. Um, so, I mean, that that being said, though, I mean, was uh, this is kind of a weird question, but like, obviously, you're like 12 years old, 12, 13 years old. You're in just about in high school, I guess you could say probably middle school, I guess, at that point. Yeah. And you're in what? Uh, what state were you in at that point? I was in Nashville. Yeah, was you're, in you're in Tennessee. OK, so at that point, I mean, sure, there's metal everywhere. But like, how were you regarded in like high, in like middle school and high school? Were you like considered like? one of the like you know slobby metalhead types you know smoking <laughs> cigarettes by the train tracks before school or was it kind of a thing that was going on in your high school or like you know were you just kind of one of the outcasts like um how were you regarded at that point i was never i don't think we really had like that that hesher outside you know my, I feel like my middle school my high school years were pretty inclusive like everybody was kind of you know one big group there was obviously the preppy guys and the, and the, you know, the jocks and the, you know, the skateboarders and things like that, but it wasn't necessarily like, like I couldn't hang out with them. I was, I, I felt like I was friendly with everybody. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that really hit too was when grunge really took in the, you know, obviously with Nirvana and Pearl jam and everything else, but maybe a year or two into that, like when people were really starting to get into sublime and, and, um, a lot more of the of the rock stuff. Then people started kind of almost gravitating to me because like I was already growing my hair out and listening to the heavier stuff. Not that Sublime's heavy, but I'm saying like I had heavy stuff into it. So people were like talking to me about Alice in Chains and things like that. Right. So so it kind of it kind of brought people to me instead of like people being, you know, pushed away from me. So people were kind of coming to you as almost like the uh the person who could sort of educate them on like 
Like, I like this band, Alice in Chains. What, what do I need to know about them? You're the guy who seems to be into this. Yeah, right. Yeah. Was that kind of thing. Yeah, because, I mean, even when I was younger in, in middle school, I mean, I had Kiss shirts. I had Ace Freely, you know, pictures in my Trapper Keeper and things like that. So I was always I was always in and around music. Um, Black Album definitely turned the path. Because I will say, even back then, too, was, um, you know, growing up with my, my family, listening to the hair metal stuff. Like I really wanted to be in a band. I wanted to be on stage, but I didn't want to wear makeup and tease my hair. So it was just like, <laughs> so seeing Metallica look like normal people and Nirvana and all like Pearl jam look like just normal people made me like, okay, I guess I could do that. Did you go to college? No, you didn't. I, I went, I've, I've like enrolled in like community college a couple of times, but no, no actual college. Okay. So after high school was over, you, did you just, throw yourself right into bands like where where were you like right after high school take it back into high school i i joined the band that became 12 volt negative earth when i was a senior in high school um we almost they almost didn't allow me in the band because they were actually a different band beforehand they were rehearsing at a friend of mine's house i had some of their earlier demos i loved them at the time um and i just happened to kind of be there the day that their bass player didn't show up (laughs) <laughs> and they were like, man, we really need to find a bass player. And I was just like, you know, shy kid in the corner, like, oh, excuse me, I own a bass, you know. I have a thing that does stuff. Um, So, yeah, I auditioned for the band and got in the band. And, and one of the reasons they almost didn't let me in the band was because I was 17 at the time. And they were already playing, you know, clubs that you had to be 18 to play. <clears throat> and I would, and this was like November of, I guess, November 96. So I didn't turn 18 until June of 97. So, I mean, that was a pretty big span of time, especially when you're a kid uh, to, um, you know, to, to not be able to play certain places. Right. Um, but I, uh, I ended up, uh, you know, obviously getting in the band and then like kind of how I am still, I, I kind of took a little bit of control and um, started booking more shows and started uh, really handling that side of the, of the band and really um, just, just really wanting to kind of, I wanted to be Metallica. I wanted to be Corn. I mean, that was another thing. I mean, Corn and um, all that stuff. I think you know we've talked about it on past episodes. Just really kind of changing the game uh, for me at the time. Because I mean, I, as much as I was listening to to Deicide and Obituary, and then I was listening to Sepultura and Faith No More, and uh, you know Judgment Night soundtrack, and just just so much stuff going on at the time. Um, and some of that early Corn stuff really uh, started kind of in Deftones and all that kind of really shaping my my musical path and then uh we were already going to shows a lot going to see a lot of shows and my uh the the band you know 12 volt at the time um that's when we met like fred Corey from cinderella funny story and he uh was starting to record bands in in my like suburb of nashville not even nashville uh literally basically at the end of my street (laughs) that i lived on um and he you know he i played him the demos that we had he offered to record us you know with hopes that we would get signed and maybe he would get a a, you know an actual producer gig so i mean he was really working with us a lot at the time and some of those early demos sound amazing um but the uh the so yeah, I was already booking shows at my senior year of high school. I was already booking shows like basically graduate, go on tour. Like, I mean, that's what, that was our plan. And we did like a two, a two week tour soon after I graduated, um, just self, you know, self booked. I used AOL instant messenger, which, um, at the time was a primitive social media. Um, that's how we all could, got to communicate with everybody else. Yeah. You could, um, 
you could put in a city and like an interest. So I would put in like, you know, uh, I would put in St. Louis and corn and all these people, fans of corn would pop up. And I would, I would literally just message people all day. Like, Hey, you know, do you know any cool bands in your town? Do you know the cool club to play? And sometimes you get stuff back. And I met a bunch of people that I think I probably still talk to this day that way. Um, you know, like, oh yeah, hey, yeah, the cool local club here is this, or man, there's a band here called that, you know, doing doing things. You should reach out to this person, you know, like really using the like the internet in a very primitive way. Like uh, I had a buddy of mine, Pat Pat Richardson, that I still does graphics for me occasionally. It's just a great dude. Uh, worked at the Kinkos, you know, worked third shift at Kinkos, and I would yeah. go up there and and he was by himself, and I would go up there and just talk music with him all night, and he would. Uh, you know, let me jump on the computers that cost, you know, whatever, 12 right. cents. A, what was it like 12 cents a minute or something crazy? Yeah. Something um, like that. Uh, and he would just, you know, load up a card for me and let me, you know, get on there and just do that all night. So, yeah, I, I never went to college. I, I literally was just like, I'm going to be in a band. <laughs> right. That was always the plan. But I mean, that's kind of it. I mean, 96, 97. I mean, <clears throat> I remember those times for me when I was doing my zine back when I was in college, I was going to shows what felt like every night of the week, you know? So definitely, definitely a good time for you to kind of really further shape kind of how you were doing things for sure. Yeah. Um. So, so when did, all right, so I know that you, right, so that, that takes us like 96, nine, like 96, 97, let's go into 98, 99, you know, corn is officially taking over the world. Olympus mm -hmm. gets out there. Everything's kind of going crazy. Um, you know, follow the leader came out. So now that, now that some of these bands are like kind of not even in the stratosphere anymore, but they're like crazy, like rocket thrusting into outer space. It's like, how does that at that point affect you? And and kind of where you are at, like right at the turn of the century, like where where are you in, in your headspace? You know, are are you like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Metallica corn thing, or is it? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm still pushing through. I was in twelve volt for I think six years. I think up until about two thousand two, um, we definitely, you know, got to a point in Nashville where we were, you know, a thousand that you know, thousand eight hundred to a thousand kids a night at a show. That's not um, you know, a couple couple of CDs out. It took us a long time to put out the first CD. Like we didn't put out our first CD until 99. Um, there was a bunch of demos floating around, but we did a self-financed album in, in 99. Um, and then just really just, just pushing, you know, playing shows as much as we could working odd jobs, but really playing out of town. You know, we were, we were trading shows with like drowning pool at the time. Uh, we were going playing in new Orleans with them. You know, they, they were, they were playing around. I mean, we played a bunch of shows with like Nothing Face. I mean, there were a bunch of bands that, especially early on, if you look back to the Talk To Me podcast, a lot of those early episodes I did were with people that I probably met back then. You know, like, uh, you know, Chris Kale, Five Finger Death Punch had a band called Cut Love Kill that we were trading shows with. And right. even Brent from Shinedown's old band, Jareve, we were trading shows with. I mean, it was, there was, it was crazy the amount of people that are still in the music business today that I was dealing with back then. It's, it's nuts that it's a small world and it's, I mean, once you get into it, it's kind of, uh, I mean, even the guys in the band story of the year, you know, we, we traded shows with those guys back before they were signed. I mean, it was, it was, 
it was there was a lot going on at the time. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't know this until we started this podcast that you were actually on Ozfest 2000 as well as like at the same time I was. Yeah, uh, even though we never really met. So I mean, like, what did you did you think that Ozfest doing Ozfest 2000 the way you did it? Did you think that was going to kind of springboard you into something or? No, that was, was a, a complete like. Uh spur of the moment i'm i guess i was 2000 i was 2000 i was probably 20 and i was either 20 or 21 depending on what time of year it was because my birthday's in june um but i i just spur of the moment saw that they were like a now hiring sign and i was like what is that you know i talked to the person that was doing the it was like the carnival games thing or whatever giving away the promo items that that row was probably uh right. supplying everybody <laughs> <You're right. laughs> but um um but yeah, it was just like, it was like glorified street team stuff. It was, you know, it was funny. Those people were carnies like the other 10 months out of the year. So like this was their like crazy time too. Those, those were some strange people I was hanging out with at that point. But yeah, I literally said, you know, like, what does this mean? They're like, Hey, meet us back here at, a, at, at after the show. And I basically jumped in like a, uh, an extended cab pickup truck. And just drove off with like strangers, and <laughs> I, I did like five Ozfest shows, and then I flew home. But yeah, that was that was. I mean, it was awesome. It was, it was. I got to see Pantera every day. I got to see you know what was it like Kitty and Soulfly, and like I mean that was a great, that was a great great. Uh, yeah, that was uh, a great Ozfest. Time. That was definitely yeah. It was a joke. I mean, you got Static X, you had Pantera, you had Methods of Mayhem. Yeah, they were oh, awesome. Shovel, <laughs> shovel. Primer was on that actually. Primer was. Yep. That, I remember um, seeing uh, I remember seeing Primer's uh, singer Jason one morning uh, at catering, uh, like eating a bowl of Fruit Loops, and then like ten minutes later he's on stage. Like, I mean, he has like still has like eye boogers in his eye. And then knowing him later on, like just knowing how kind of lethargic and and not not the, not the word lazy, but just like he is always tired. Right. Uh, just seeing him up there trying to like rock, rock the crowd because that was back when Ozfest would start at like. 9 45 or something yeah that's, that's that crazy was, that was that was one of the good things about being in like with the soul flight camp was like we go on at six that's yep. it so we'll show up whenever and as long as we go on at six that's all that matters yeah um, but yeah but for those other bands it's like the rotating uh the rotating lineup thing was definitely not easy because you just be like oh well yesterday we were on at three now we're on at 9 a.m you know so but then you also had the whole day to just do nothing mm-hmm. um so uh so after those five shows though um i mean were you just like all right this isn't quite for me or was it just kind of like all right dude you're you're done you know like that well there of- was that um there was that week like a week off between like houston and like seattle yeah and uh i was just like well i have no money and i we actually did have a show to play uh at some point so i was just like well this is probably a good time to just cut out kind of just bounce um but <laughs> dude a week i got a ride from the houston it was like a speedway yeah oh, to yeah. i i convinced speedway. one of the vendors that were selling like bead necklaces or something to drive me to the airport so i could buy a plane ticket this is all pre 9-11 obviously so you could just do whatever um i bought a i i get no i had a plane ticket bought for me that's what it was i had a friend of mine buy a plane ticket and i was gonna you know pay him back or whatever and i get to the airport it's the wrong airport <laughs> and so I have to like, but I guess they had a sh- free shuttle between the two airports. So I basically had to sleep in the airport and then get a shuttle first thing in the morning to the other airport 
and then catch my flight home and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, times. yeah, I love that, that to be young like that again, just, I right. mean, if I did that right now, I would be like, yeah, beside myself <laughs> with well, anxiety, especially, especially, I mean, if, if, if memory serves me, right. So like you said, Houston was before that week off before we hit Seattle, mm-hmm. um, okay. which means that <clears throat> you did Houston, Dallas, um, where else? Uh, like, probably like Indianapolis, like a bunch of those shows. I think that was, it was like St. Louis. There was, I think yeah, Kansas city, maybe, yeah, maybe that was, it. um, Houston, Dallas, there might've been four shows, but, but it was like, I mean, once we got to Houston and Dallas, like that was when it was like 129 degrees. Oh yeah. It was, was so absurdly hot. I'd never been to, I've never done anything like that. We actually, before the Dallas show, when I was with SoFi, we did Little Rock and I woke up and I thought I woke up all late because I thought it was 123 in the p- in the afternoon and little did I know it was actually 123 degrees outside. <laughs> our, thermometer, nice. our digital thermometer in the front of the bus. I never felt anything like that. And then when we did Houston, it was on blacktop. So you just saw kids passing out left and right. So I guess, uh, I guess in a weird way, you kind of got out at the, the right time. <laughs> you got in, at the, you got in at the wrong time, but out at the right time at the same time. So, okay. So let's, let's, okay. So after that, uh, you're still doing, uh, uh, 12 volt. Uh, when did, when did the primer thing happen for you? Primer thing happens. Um, let's see here. Corn sick and twisted tour corn and stained are out. Um, oh, we, I couldn't remember why, but we had, we couldn't tour properly at the time. And I had been to a show where some kids were basically selling CDs to the people in line and they were going up and down and they had their discmans, you know, with their headphones and all, all right. that stuff doing that deal. And I told my drummer at the time that we should try, you know, well, let's, let's go and follow the sick and twisted tour for a few dates and see if we can promote, you know, promote the CD, sell the CD, we were selling for like five bucks a piece. And it was funny how many times people just gave us the $5 and didn't even listen to the CD like beforehand. Like some, some kids like would, would preview it and then buy it. Some people would just buy it, which I thought was cool. Um, and we would just, you know, get a hundred, 200 bucks together and, and grab a cheap hotel and, and do it again the next day. Uh, the, uh, corn had a day off. Uh, we had been to Indianapolis. Corn uh, had a day off and stained was supposed to play uh here in louisville with primer 55 opening primer i believe the first album had just came out um sometime around that time and they were kind of local heroes here they 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 always had a really weird kind of a no home kind of thing because they were formed in memphis but bobby was from louisville and like then moved the band here so they never really had like that local band period here like they were just kind of a transplant uh, yeah, transplant band here. But uh, Stain ended up canceling, but Primer still played. So we still went to the show to promote the CD because uh, we were, you know, making some money. Um, after the show, I talked to, to Bobby Burns and Jason, uh, vocalist of Primer, talked to them for a little bit. And man, Bobby just walked with this air of like it factor. Um, I know you've probably been around it a bunch and you, know, you like you yep. famous, you know, you're like, wonder why this person's famous and you get around them and they just have that like air of confidence yeah, around them. And you're like, Oh, energy. okay. Yeah. It's a really weird energy. So I, I, I had felt that before being around Fred Durst because when 12 volt had opened for uh limb biscuit, um, he was, he was around a little bit and I was like, man, this guy, this guy's going to go somewhere, you know, kind of deal. <laughs> and then uh, I, I had seen, I had been around Fred a few other times uh, over the years. And just every time he just kind of has that air around him. 
So Bobby had that very similar air. So it was kind of like, if you're going to go somewhere, you know, go talk to this guy kind of deal. Right. Um, and we were, I was a big fan of uh, the PRP.com, which is still around back then. It was probably the pimp rock palace. The still. Pimp rock palace. Uh, and so I had somewhat of a relationship with the guy that still runs it. Uh, Wookiebus. I don't, I don't know his real name. You might, I don't know, but uh, he, uh, I think it might be Chris. I don't know why that comes to my mind, but um, he, uh, I had, you know, sent in 12 volt stuff. He had, he had reviewed the albums. Uh, we had messaged back and forth about certain things. And then primer posted that they were looking for a bass player uh, before the second album came out. And I was just like, Oh, here's my in. So I email him. I'm like, Hey man, I really would like to audition for primer. Uh, do you have a contact that I can you know get in touch with? He's like, man, I hate to do this because I, I do like 12 volts a lot, but you know, here's the email address. So I email Bobby I come up, you know, Nashville and Louisville, I think are about right at three hours apart. So I come up, I audition, I come up, I audition again. I come up when they're auditioning drummers. Like I, I probably auditioned for primer five times ish <laughs> back in the day. Um, and then they were, they were in the studio recording the new release. And um, I finally, I actually have like a moment. I'm like, I'm going to put my foot down and kind of give them an ultimatum. Cause I mean, it was, they were not stringing me along. I don't know if it's the right way, but I know that they were really focused on the record. And I was like, I had stuff going on at home and I'm like really trying to figure out like, you know, the right. next step in life. And so I call Jason and I'm like, listen, dude, if you can't tell me today, then just pull me out of the running or I, I did something like that. Right. It's just like, and, just tell me where I am. <laughs> and then he basically was just like, well, I can't tell you today. And then that's, that's that. So they get Preston in the band. Preston knows Kobe. Kobe gets in the band. Kobe's, you know, photos all over the second album. And then they were, they were touring the second album. Uh, actually before the second album came out, I got a CD sampler called dude, where's my skull. And they <laughs> had, yeah, it's totally of the time. Uh, it has uh, the song, this life on it from the, the upcoming new primer 55 album. I'm living at the band. I still live with the guys in 12 volt. A couple of them, we all had a house together. Nobody's home. We have a big stereo system. I pop it in the CD player, hit play, crank it up and fucking loved it. I was like, God damn it. I was so, I was so bummed out at the time. I thought I just missed my opportunity because this band is about to, to, to go to the top. And they came through town, I believe with, I don't even know who they were on tour with at the time. Maybe like it was either fear factory or disturbed or mud vein or some, one of those bands, they were opening right. for somebody and I see them and I talked to Bobby again after the show. And, and he was already telling me then that they were having issues in the band. And this would have been about 2001 ish. And then early 2002, I'm like, I'm six years into 12 volts, still just kind of going nowhere, running circles and I, I don't know if you felt the same way back then, but if you, I felt like if a band hadn't hit in a certain period of time, then it needs to, something needs to change. Right. So I left the band, uh, 12 volt without any, any, uh, plan. I was just like, you know, because I'm impulsive. If you can't tell, I will, I will. Hey, <laughs> can I get a job with Ozfest? Let's go, you know, kind of yeah, thing. Right. Um, so I, I kind of quit the band without any issue, without any plan. And I just get home and I have like three email addresses of like people in bands of, of established people in the music community. And I, I email a couple people and I email Bobby and I'm like, Hey Bobby, you know, I'm no longer in a band. You know, if you know anybody that needs a bass player, 
please send them my way. He writes me back. He's like, Hey, I'm actually starting this side project. Um, would you like to come up to Louisville, listen to it and tell me what you think? This is all pre, you know, he can't just drop box me yeah, the album. Just email you, you know, so I got to go listen to the CD in this car. <laughs> um, so I get in the car and I'm driving to, to Louisville. Like, and I, I'm telling you, and I've told this story. I'm like, no matter what he plays, it doesn't matter. It could be a folk band. And I'm like, I'm in because of right. him, because I'm a, I'm a fan of him. And I felt like, you know, he had, uh, you know, the kind of that charisma or whatever. So I get up there and I listen to it and it's actually not bad. It's, you know, it's, it's just, you know, more rock and stuff or whatever. Um, so I, yeah, after the, we, we drove around uh, Louisville, like on the interstate and just listened to this music in his car. And uh, after the, after all that, I get home, I tell him, you know, I'm like, yeah, man, if you want me, you know, if you want me to be in your band, I'll be in your band kind of thing. And so he's like, cool. He's like, I've got a primer 55 tour coming up. Once we get, once I get home from that, um, you know, we'll get this the side project together. I was like, sweet, can't wait. And literally like two days before the tour starts, he calls me and he goes, do you want to play bass in Primer 55? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And uh, he sent me the tour itinerary, the set list, and I just had to basically, you know, uh, some of the songs I already knew, obviously, from from trying out for him, and a couple of them I had to learn. But um, yeah, man, I, I literally went from like delivering pizza one week to being at Lamar, Lamar in Brooklyn, you know, the next <laughs> week. Yeah. That's so. fucking funny. Did you, did you ever record with primer? No, the only thing I'm, I'm the only thing I'm really technically credited on is they put out a, uh, B sides and rarities album in like 2007. And I'm credited as a member on that, but, uh, you know, and then we did a, we, yeah, we did the tour in 2002 and then we then you know broke up. And then Bobby and I actually did that side band. It was a band called Beautiful. Um, some of the stuff's out there on YouTube. Um, we did shows. Actually, uh, Jason Daunt from Flaw was in it for a minute. So it was like this kind of Louisville mishmash of, of new metal <laughs> royalty or whatever you want to call it up here. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was pretty good. It was kind of it was actually more emo than than like new metal or anything like that. Um, kind of had that early used vibe or something like that. Okay. But, um, so we, yeah, we did that for a while. And then literally, um, I was at Jason or at Bobby's house and, uh, Gloria Cavalera called him or emailed him. I can't remember what it was. It was like, Hey, we need a bass player. <laughs> and Bobby uh, looked at Bobby looked at me and it was just like, Soulfly wants me to play bass for him. What do you think? I'm like, what do you mean? What do I think? <laughs> You're I like, like, if you don't do it, I'm going to fucking do it. <laughs> Yeah, I think there was a moment because I don't, I can't remember if Rizzo was in the band yet or not. Because I think I know they kind of came in together. Yeah, I think, I the, think they were. Yeah, I think they think they were in the band at the same time. And there was like a moment where I think Bobby was trying to be the guitar player and have me play bass. Like he was. I mean, this is like I'm sure Gloria. Nobody would would corroborate the story, but I think he was going to attempt. You know, hey, right. why don't I play guitar and so fly and like and I got a guy. Which would have been sweet, but yes, uh, that would have been an interesting experience for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so go ahead. No, I was gonna say. So ultimately, what what made you stop? Like when, when? At what point were you like, all right, primer's done. I think I'm just gonna do get my get my nine to five on and and mm, get things moving. I think it was a lot of like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I I really like I had this really weird thing that doesn't make sense to me now, but back then it was very. 
Um, cause I think by the time primer was done, I was 23, which at that time I thought was a million. Right. Um, you're an old man at that point. Well, I was like 23 and I was like, man, if I get a band started today, probably nothing's going to happen until I'm like 27. And then you know, you get all that weird, like, oh man, well, record labels want me at 27, you know, stuff like you get like, I, it was very bizarre. And like, I had a taste of some, you know, some successful touring and, taste of opening for things, but I never really, you know, made any money. Right. And, um, so I, I kind of like let it just go to the wayside and just, just really kind of focused on myself. And then, <clears throat> and then I had my son in 2005 and then I was just kind of focused on him for a little bit. And then I got a, actually I got a job at hot topic and I was like, I was like, I want, I, and it sounds crazy now, but at the time I was like, you know, hot topic in 2006 was still kind of cool. Um, I just wanted to be around music. I didn't really know like the music industry, but I wanted to be, you know, sell t-shirts and sell music and go listen to music all day and things like that. So I got that job. And then about 2007 is when primer, it kind of popped up that primer was putting out this, this, uh, B sides album. And I called Bobby. I'm like, so, uh, so we getting the band back together? And he goes, he goes, well, I guess you were the last bass player in the band. So, um, I guess it's your job if you want it kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, I do want it. And, uh, yeah, we ended up, we did another tour in 2007 into 2008. And that was just like when my, my son was, you know, two, two or three and wasn't making any money on the road. We were playing like gyms, bar and grill for like eight people. It was really not a, not a successful tour at all. Like new metal. That's like the peak of, you know, nobody caring about new metal. I was going to say, is that when you kind of felt like the, the scene was sort of uh, imploding on itself? Yeah. I mean, there was definitely nothing. There was nothing out there for us, you know? I mean, around that time also, we're talking when, uh, you know, street team companies were still, you know, vying for who, who could hand out the most shit at a show and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, for, for street marketing, I felt like by around 04, 05 is when you started to really see it implode. I was just kind of wondering, like, when you would go, if, if, you, when you would go to Ozfest and it was like the streetwise, te- you know, stage and all that, mm-hmm. like, did you feel like, dude, this thing's, this thing's, either getting a little too silly or it's getting a little too gluttonous or I think this is on its way out. Did you ever have that feeling at all? Uh, I mean, kind of just because uh, like I said, you know, the, the primer shows around that time were really like, we had pockets where we did really well. And then we, right. and then we would play some like random city in Arkansas or something. And you'd be like, why are we here? <laughs> you know, like um, this cantina. Uh, yeah. So you'd see all those like bizarre shows. Um, yeah, and it just just wasn't. I mean, the the type of music we were playing at the time wasn't cool anymore. It was that was the the big, you know, Avenged Sevenfolds were big and Killswitch and right. all those bands. Like that was kind of the the rise of that, and even even a Taking Back Sunday or you know, My Chemical Romance. All that stuff was was the kind of talk of the town at the time, and nobody really gave a crap about what we were doing. But it was really weird because you would play these certain cities, and you would have. I'm going to say, you know, a nice 30 to 50 people in the crowd of people that were fans of the band. Right. And like knew every word and, you know, wanted the picture, wanted the audience. So it was really bizarre because I've played shows in front of 30 to 50 people that could give a shit about my band. And you're like, you're trying to win them over. But it's really weird when like the kid that came out that, that had never seen the band before 
this one time you play a weird bar and grill in St. Louis. Right. Um, and they're one of 12 people in the crowd and they are, but they are going shit, you know, bananas. So you're like, well, I got to put on a good show for this guy, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely fun, but I mean, it was just to the point where, you know, what wasn't making any money away from that kid. Like just, just didn't, it didn't, I couldn't justify being on the road anymore. Right. Right. You know, there was no, there was no end goal at the time. Um, and then, you know, Bobby was going to go back to Soulfly at some point. You know, Bobby was still in Soulfly at the time. So a lot of times it was weird. It was like Primer 55 featuring Bobby Burns of Soulfly. It would be like where right. like that on flyers yeah. and stuff. Oh, uh, okay. Weird. So, all right. So, so that's, that's kind of the, the sort of the end before this kind of new beginning. So then you start, you know, you got your Talk To Me podcast, which is doing very well. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're doing, uh, <clears throat> now we're doing this, you know, really kind of focusing on the new metal aspect of things. So now that you're, and, and you just told me like, you know, people are asking if you want to play shows again and stuff like that. I mean, now that you're being asked to play shows again, I mean, does that make you, I don't know, does it make you nervous? Does it make you excited? Like I've never been in a band before, so I can never yeah. really kind of have that same sort of feeling, but like, I always wonder, like, you know, okay, like, you know, when you got to dust off the bass and, and, and really <laughs> get your fingers, you know, exercising again and all that, like, you know, does, it, does being asked to do that, like, do you go, fuck, all right, well, now I got to. Well, last know. year, um, uh, a place that 12 Old Negative Earth played called Lucy's Record Shop, um, it was kind of a big independent record uh, store in Nashville that was a punk rock club that held uh, about 200 people where we played for some of our first shows. Uh, first time I ever sold out a show the first time, um, you know, we sold shirts. We, it basically all the first for the band. Um, but it closed, it was, it was in Nashville from like 93 to I think 97 or 98. Uh, but it was, it was basically where everybody around my age went on the weekends. It was downtown. It was, uh, you know, parents dropping kids off and, and doing you know, people doing God knows what down there. Right. Um, but they, they did a 30th anniversary show last year and they asked us to play it. And I, you know, a couple of guys in the band, uh, were, were standoffish about doing it, which is funny because they are the couple of guys in the band that are still doing bands. But, uh, it's not like they're just like accountants now that, that have never, haven't played music in a long time. Right. Um, but we, you know, I basically said, you know, Hey, Mary Mancini, the owner of the club wants us to, reunite for a reunion show and the one guy that normally doesn't want to do it was just like well i can't say no to mary um so we got together we did um i think two rehearsals two long rehearsals last year and then we played a show and it was it was awesome to be in the room with those guys 30 years later or you know 27 years later whatever it is um and kind of just you know just kind of picking up where we left off, you know, it's like, I, I've hung out with those guys over the, over the years and we don't have any bad blood or anything like that with any of those guys. Um, so yeah, it was just like the same humor, same jokes, same everything. Right. And, uh, just kind of playing those songs again together. And, you know, we played, uh, I think we played like a 30 minute set, 30, 30, 45 minute set. And it was crazy. It was just like the old days. I mean, it was, People were going nuts again. People were excited to see us playing nice. together again. People were like, I can't believe, you know, I mean, it's like any band that you liked when you were younger, right. reuniting that, you know, 200 people in a club is going to freak out about, you know, right. you and those 200 people were there when it happened and now you're, you're back again. So, um, yeah, getting asked to play shows again is pretty awesome. Did it feel natural? Did, oh did yeah. It feel like like it, it felt great. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah. yeah. I always wonder about that. Like if you're, it's like your first time you're back on stage, like, do you get that stage fright again? Do you, you know, do you fit right into it? Like it's an old fucking shoe that you haven't worn in a long time. Like that. Kind <laughs> no, of man, it felt good. It felt good. It felt, um, it was just good to like look around the crowd and see faces, all my, you know, the, the faces again, maybe a little older, but, uh, right. just seeing everybody and, you know, just i don't know man it was it was just nice to nice to be on stage again my you know my wife had never seen that kind of side of me before she got she's she posted something like uh she's like i've never seen him smile like that <laughs> so are yeah. you are you scared that you might get the touring bug back does that ever does that ever feel like a thing um it would have to be something big at, at this point i mean there's really no there's really nothing drawing me to the road I mean, right. if a if a if a band came to me and you know said, "Hey, would you like to, to to fill in on this tour?" I might think about it, but yeah, at this point, I don't I don't know that it would be something I would want to do um, full time. Right. But I would definitely like to do shows. Like I've you know I love the fact that kind of the weekend warrior fly in date circuit is out there. You know, to where you say I need this, this, and this, and you know we can get together and. Right. Uh, you know, have a backline waiting for you when you get here. Just bring your bass and and play. Like I, there's right. a string of shows that. Yeah, if if Primer got in, kind of got in, into that mode, that would be nice. And I, I think it, I, I don't think it's that far fetched for for a band like Primer to kind of get invited to some of these, um, you know, like be the, the, like the second to five on a on a new metal revival type type right, show. Right. So, right on. So that's the, that's where you're at now. So let me ask you this. So when it comes to just kind of backtracking this slightly. So when it comes to new metal, obviously the hip hop aspect is, is very much a part of uh, the new measure, new metal genre. Okay. What, okay. So I know that you're into Pantera and Slayer, Metallica, et cetera. What rap were you into back then? Um, I, I mean, I think it was probably just the kind of the typical stuff. Um, you know, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. Um, I got into, I got into some of the heavier stuff like Grave Diggers and, um, I'm trying to think what I was really listening to at that time. I mean, you were Midwest. I mean, was, was ICP kind of like a real big thing or was that very much like joke? Like we don't even fucking associate with that sort of thing. I got, I had like a ICP phase for about a week, <laughs> you know, like we, uh, when Riddlebox came out, which I think is a fun album, uh, we I saw them a couple times on that on that run. Um, small club, Fago everywhere, type shit. Um, yeah, I, I th- you know they were they were fun. They'd always there was a uh, a guy out of I think he was out of Florida. It was called Insane Poetry. Uh, before the Insane Clown Posse, before I heard about Insane Clown Posse, I heard of this guy uh, or this this collaboration, Insane Poetry. And they had this uh, song about chopping up a body. <laughs> like there, there was like a really weird period of rap where it did kind of kind of go death metal for a minute. Yeah, it was, uh, it was like very horror rap. Yeah, horror rap. Yeah, um, like you said, like grave diggers and stuff like that. Yeah, so I mean, we listened to some of that stuff, but I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I would never try to vouch and say I was like some sort of hip hop head or anything. Okay, uh, if there was a new metal fashion that you could that could make a comeback, like what new metal fashion do you wish? could make like an updated comeback uh, new metal fashion that can make a comeback well the asparagus little dreads I don't know. <laughs> yeah i don't think of, I don't, um man new metal fashion 
Junkos sort of made a little bit of a comeback. Oh, my yeah, my son just got some Jinkos. Did really? <laughs> my stepson did, yeah. There, I, I actually we got them during Louder Than Life. I should have brought them as kind of a prop, right? Just to be like, what do you guys think of this? And they would all because I mean, they're I like 40 inch waist. Um, I, 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 I definitely over the big pants, I'm like the over like all of the oversized clothes. I'm, I'm kind of over all that. It's cracked me up. I was looking at my old Soulfly shirt from from Ozfest 2000. Yeah. I was like, what the hell was I thinking wearing an extra large shirt every day? Like, I'm still like baffled by that. <laughs> right. I'm like, um, I wear a medium. Like, why am I wearing an extra large shirt? It was such a weird. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go windbreakers. Uh, windbreakers. I, I, bring right. back. Bring back the windbreakers. Nice, nice. I can't argue that. Well, cool, man. Well, those are all my questions for 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 you, Mr. Joshua Toomey. Do you have anything else you want to add? Some little bits um, of wisdom you want to give out to our, 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 our younger audience out there who's like, I want to do a new metal band, but I don't know what to do. I just think if you if you want to do a band, period, I think you should like just do it. <laughs> like, as crazy as that sounds. I mean, I mean, you know, I if I have any regrets as, as a younger, younger guy, I think I would have maybe probably moved to LA or something at the time, you know, because that was still, I mean, I get the internet, you can kind of do whatever you want now, but I mean, late nineties, early two thousands. I mean that, I think that still probably would have been a thing, Um, you know, moving to a bigger, bigger city at the time. I mean, now fuck every musician in the world lives in Nashville now. So, uh, (laughs) you know, move to Nashville if you want to be in a band, but um, yeah, I think, I think focused maybe more on the, business side of everything rather than just the music side of it. Right. Um, didn't really learn, understand learn something about the business side. Of yeah. It instead of just being on the music side. Don't yeah. just, in, you know, don't just inundate your favorite bands with your, your band, like go to labels, go to managers, go to lawyers, like, right. you know, go to anybody that's kind of in the business already and try to try to sneak in that way too. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right, man. I think there's a, there's a level of, you have to sort of throw caution to the wind yeah. and, and take that official step into, into the unknown, you know, before you can really see if you can really do it. I mean, you've done it, I've done it, you know, and then that's kind of how people have to, that's the only way to do it is to sort of step into the unknown. I was, uh, and, and last thing we'll do before we get out of here, uh, mm-hmm. a new segment, uh, that was suggested to us by, uh, uh, uh our boss, Chris, um, because he jokingly wrote, uh, "Are they? Is this for new or nah? Like, like N A H? Like, nope." Um, so, is we're gonna say, I'm gonna say a band name, and you're gonna tell me is it new or nah? Okay. <laughs> uh, first one and the only one we'll do this week is uh, Hoobastank. Are they new or nah? For me, yeah. they were always nah. Uh, I never, I never saw them as new, even though I know they had elements of new in it. Um, I always felt like they were trying to be incubus mm-hmm. and, but to me, they were diet incubus and, and especially since science is my favorite and, and science fungus among us, you know, those two EPs beforehand, um, you know, those were my incubus records. And when I first heard Hoobastank, I was like, I, I felt like it was like as if Incubus was trying to appeal to my mom. Right. So to me, to me, they would, they would fall under the, the nah category. 
Yeah, I think I mean I think they're a borderline, but I'm gonna go with a nah also. I don't think the Hoobas tank is new. So so for the first installment of new or nah. <laughs> yeah, let uh, us know let us know your opinions too. Do you guys yeah. feel like they're a new or nah band? And and what, what are your experiences that make you think that way? And then we'll also, if you have any uh band suggestions for the new or nah segment, yes, uh, let us know and uh We'll debate maybe, them here. Maybe we'll do a whole bracket, a whole bracket <laughs> thing, and get to the oh, final final two. The new or not bracket. A new or not bracket. Well, awesome. Well, I think that will do it uh, here for another episode of New Pod. Thanks to the guest, me, and the interviewer, <laughs> him, <laughs> for taking the time. And uh, for New Pod here, notfest.com, I am Joshua Toomey. That is Rocoli, and we will talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Stay metal. Thanks for listening to New Pod. Follow Toomey at Talk Toomey Talk and Row at War Machine Merch. Rate, review, and subscribe and tell your friends. Until next week, keep it new.